Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Food for Thought, a podcast gap fest where in a multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the table to talk about sex, <sighs> identity, Ooh. culture, <sighs> what we like to read, and <laughs> who we like to read. <laughs> Food for Thought. Choose your own thought venture. <laughs> I choose to die. I would just like to not live anymore. That's um, my adventure. That, a slow and painless death. I like that's no longer an adventure for you. That's just your Twitter page. That is your entire Twitter feed. Every morning I wake up and I'm like, this again? And then I tweet Which, about it. I tweet honestly, this again. In 2021, the year of our Lord and Savior, Simone Biles, fair. Fair. Yeah, fair, fair. fair. Why are fair. we waking up? Why, why, are we, we why are we doing this? Dan, can I tell you I had an amazing experience today? Tell me all about so it. So I've had the same PCP uh, primary care provider for years and years and years. A, a straight doctor, fine. Uh, and he's on the Upper East Side where I went to grad school. And it's oh. very far from both where I live and where I work now. I'm and triggered so, by two of the things you've said already. How many people have you <laughs> fucked on the Upper East Side, Dan? That is just, so your type. Ju- just three. <laughs> Times three? Exactly. There we go. There it is. <laughs> um, I had my first visit with a new PCP today. Ooh. And he's gay. Oh my god! And he's a—it's like a pretty gay practice. Like everyone in the waiting room was queer, and it was just a breath of fresh air. I mean, I, yeah, I, I knew that I wanted it, and it had—it just had mm. taken me a long time to find the right practice. And it, even when I called, they were—I was like, I'd like to be a new patient. They were like, wait two months. You know, it's like it's a busy mm. practice. Mm-hmm. But just you know, even just the way he touched me, doing my like little exam uh-huh, and stuff, uh-huh, not, not uh-huh. in a sexual way at <laughs> all, just, just in a way that made me feel. I, I've always felt like kind of not. Really, I, I'm very uncomfortable with straight men touching me. <laughs> I am I, not. Um, I would, I would, you know, and I like, I like, I've had um, cis women as uh, primary care providers, but there was just something so um, comforting about mm-hmm. being with a queer person. Yeah. So, oh, this is actually really fascinating because, as you know, and some of you on the internet out there may or may not know, I've spent the, the what? Last... Then? The what? <laughs> the internet. Al Gore's internet. <laughs> It's like it's like a tube for information. It's my favorite way to refer to the web. Oh god. Um, <laughs> um, I some people will know that I have spent the last year actually working for a really wonderful startup called Included Health. Um, it's a care navigation. This is not SpawnCon. <laughs> this is not SpawnCon. <laughs> um, it's it it is a startup that's dedicated to care navigation services for the LGBTQ community. Um, and for many of us, it's so important for us to find affirming health care and not all providers out there. In fact, yeah. the majority of providers out there still, I would say, um, are not necessarily both affirming and knowledgeable. And some are not even affirming, yeah, first of all. Right. But we do have, as the queer community, we have some really unique and specific healthcare needs everywhere. Everything from being potentially like a cisgendered gay man who wants someone who understands those specific needs to being someone yeah. who is transgender and navigating um, a medical mm-hmm. and social transition and all of the different factors yep. that go into all of that. And so at the at, at my company, at the, wor- the work that we do is helping people find affirming providers, identifying yeah. Find them. We vet them using our own elaborate process. And 
we also help folks actually navigate their insurance benefits. So like understanding mm. um, what you what's covered for you and what's not and sometimes advocating to get things covered. And I have learned a ton in this role. It's I just... knew I had never I don't think I'd ever booked a medical appointment for myself before oh, I had Dan, this job. Dan, like Dan, I just Den's not always the best at adulting. Let's um, be very real. Den terrible. Had, before this this job, Den hadn't seen a doctor in 12 and a half years. Yes. <laughs> it had been quite some time. And um and what I I understood how important it was um, to have affirming healthcare, but yeah. I didn't really understand um, the nuances of it or the complications or the barriers that that are totally. out there. There are so many barriers to it, and so when you find a doctor who um, understands your identity, and you don't have to be constantly coming out to them or Ugh. explaining different things, justifying Just, why you might want a prep prescription. I was not patronized to. I was. I was mm-hmm. like. It was like a prep. Uh, we had the prep conversation. We had an honest conversation about the STIs that I had before. I was like, it was. You know, I. I. My partner and I had like played around. It was like every time we played around before the pandemonium, we got mm-hmm. something just because it was so wild then mm-hmm. um, with the STIs, and so we were having a conversation about that. And then you know, my my partner and I have been monogamous this whole pa- pandemonium, and he. He just like he didn't he didn't question me about that he was just like okay cool you know and i feel mm-hmm. like my provider before would have been like oh we're gonna do a full sti panel and i was and he was like oh you probably don't need the full sti panel because you haven't had sex with anyone but your partner in 18 months and neither mm-hmm. has he and i was just like mm-hmm. yeah you just like yeah you know there's just there was no weirdness about it and and you know he was and like no making assumptions and no judgment and there is exactly. still judgment from cis oh. providers all the time and so i just have the pre- prescription and he's like you know we'll do stis as needed moving forward if you're having lots of sex, we'll do them. If you're not having so much sex, we won't. And he's like, trusting me. He's mm-hmm. trusting me. He trusts to- you to make the oh, best decisions just, for you. I was like, that's the thing. I was like tearing up. It was really, really. So anyway, all of this that's is amazing. to say. I'm, I'm so proud of you. I'm 38. And so this has been my journey. So it's not to be yeah. like if you're in your 20s and you haven't found this yet. You know, it's yeah. it, but it is possible. And it's worth just out of curiosity. How did you for. find the provider? Uh, a, a referral from friends. Yeah, yeah, it is often. So it's 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 so often word of mouth. And that's so important in our community as a way to find folks. Trust. There are a lot of great providers in um, New York, but there there are a lot of great affirming providers all over the country. Um, It can take some work to find them, but it can be done and and they're there. Yep. I'm Den Michelle and I'm a reader, a writer, a former figure skater. And in the summer of 2021, I'm just a hole Uh. looking for a dick. Oh, wow. I mean, that's just... Asking it to love me. Oh, God. Uh, I'm Joseph Osmondson, scientist, nonfiction writer. And this summer, I'm just a, a dick looking for a hole, asking to come into it. Y'all, we gonna be right back. <laughs> we got some shit to work out. There's some incest in this podcast. There's some incest in this podcast. Den, oh Den, God. Den, can you please get us off this horrible topic of the worst third things we've ever oh. done in our entire life and tell us what's on the menu for this fucking God. disgusting podcast? Um, y'all, I'm gonna kick us off by uniformly swiping right on lesbians. Woo, we love lesbians. We love y'all. We're throwing it back once again this week to talk with Stephen Canals um, of Pose about the joys and limits of representation and for dessert Joe is gonna get a little heterosexual yeah yep buck 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 I'm feeling a little bit peckish so let's start the top of this show the way that any good top should with a little tease 
a little something to wet your palates, our amuse bouche. And today we're going to amuse our bouches with a little, I think, a game that Den has A little has game, a little game. And you might have noticed once again, it's just me and Den. Sorry, you're stuck with us. The others will be back. The podcast has not changed. We're not food to thought. We are still food, food for thought. thought. <laughs> uh, but we're just, you know, we we um, we are bi-coastal now. So mm-hmm. sometimes we just have to pop into the studio and make you your little content uh, in a one-on-one. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And you know what? It's good to get a little intimate sometimes. Oh, yes. You know, baby. there are mm. two of us on the show who are not afraid of intimacy, and the two of us happen to be in the studio today. You are terrified of intimacy, <laughs> you idiots. Dead come I on. Know, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm very intimate with my vibrator. <laughs> It loves oh, me. Dan, play, give us the game, Dan. <laughs> all right, all right. So today we've got a little thought classic, a little swipe right, swipe left for you, our dearest cuties. And um, I'm going to start off real easy. Yeah. It might get a little rough. We'll see. I like it rough. Um, I do not. <laughs> but sometimes <laughs> you got to go there. Me with the game, Dan. Um, I'm going to start with Nisi Nash's Instagram. I mean, I can't say swipe right fast. And Nisi Nash is everything. <laughs> like everything. And what's her partner's name again? Jessica Betts. Um, I want her uh-huh. to pound my throat mm-hmm. with a strap on mm-hmm. until like. I have my vocal cords have disintegrated and I can never speak again. I want to be mm-hmm. Julie Andrewed by her strap. Yes, which I'm sure is is massive, although we are not sizest on this show. No. Um, I don't know if you all have seen this amazing clip of the two of them on a couch just talking. It was put out by Netflix. It's a couple months back. And they're talking kind of about traveling and I think plans coming out of the pandemic. And um, Nisi goes, you know, I need some stamps in these passports. I want to make love all around the world. Bring my back over here. Bring my back over there. So that's the plan. And I I just thought, Nisi, you are all of us. Yes. Break my back everywhere. I love, I just love um, the just unabashed display of black queer love that these Mm. two women put on Mm -hmm. on their Instagram and more specifically on Nisi's Instagram. It's so joyful. It's so uncomplicated and beautiful and out there and there's this, it seems like they're not at all worried about anyone's gays. G-A-Z-E. They're just being gays. G-A-Y-S. Yep. And and we're here for it and we need that. We need that after this, after the year that we've had and the year that we continue to have. We need that. We need to see it. Um, we love to see it. Um, Industry Baby and Lil Nas X. I can't swipe right fast enough, Dan. Come on. The fuck? That shit was so good. It was so good. It was so good. I am obsessed with him. Yeah. It's Um, just... It's amazing. He's brilliant. He's amazing. He's subverting everything. Because the thing is, he trolls online, but the art he makes is not a troll. The art is just like, it is, it's in the canon of the type of, you know, sort of pop music that he makes. The video references so many other videos from, but it is singularly and unabashedly its own at the same time. The song fucking slaps the little horn intro, the this and the that. I, okay. Mm -hmm. I even didn't hate the feature. I kind of thought it was sweet. To, I yeah. think it was kind of nice to have this sort of companionship mm-hmm. between a, a straight white and, and just showing up also and just being there for. I don't know, man. I, I, am I going soft? Um, I mean, were you ever not soft? Oh, true. Um, but but I, so what I liked about that, I'm not going to lie. Like, I love everything Lil Nas X does. I mean, I didn't 
didn't love Old Town Road, but that was before we knew. Um, it was fine. I just was like, this is for the kids, which like, whatever. But it was for me. It, it was for me. It, it was, it was for up, you. I grew up riding horses and stuff, you know? So the, like, the queerness and countryness to me coming mm-hmm. together made a lot of sense. The, for me, it's about the conversation that Lil Nas X generates. And I mean, there's a lot of hate coming from a lot of corners of the community yeah. um, and the and Al Gore's and Annette's when Lil Nas X <laughs> puts out this, this very gay content. But I love, first of all, I love seeing black people rush to his defense because mm-hmm. I grew up thinking that black people did not, mm-hmm. that black people were homophobic, which mm-hmm. is like not true. Mm-hmm. At the same time, um, the conversation that does happen is a really important one that needs to happen all over the place, but particularly within the black community, especially around how we um, deal with and handle gender performance sometimes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and masculinity versus femininity mm-hmm. and and what and the conversation around what you know what we're promoting or not promoting to mm-hmm, kids that mm-hmm. conversation needs to happen and so I just love the fact that he trolls people for their idiocy <laughs> I know the trolling is what a barb I mean what a barb. we all need training as a barb before we get in the public eye it we is do. the only thing we can do to like not to, to defend ourselves with grace and humor <laughs> to not lose our fucking shit everyone yep. needs three years Years as an online barb. Yep. Anyway, we love we love you, Lil Nas X. Yes, come on the show. Keep doing your thing. Oh my god, he doesn't yes. listen to us. <laughs> come on the show and then come on me. Oh my god, what? what? Who, I said didn't say that? That. Who, who said that? Who said that? I don't know. I don't know. That was producer Alex. No, it wasn't. Um, <laughs> next we have we have Tommy Dorfman. Swipe right. I mean, Dad, are, is there any swipe lefts on this list? Come I don't on. know if there are. This is basically just couple. a list of things Den likes. I actually, <laughs> that's not the game. I have a couple. I just, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I'm putting out positivity. But, um, but here's you the thing. Suck. I know. It's 2021. Here's the thing. So I'm not going to lie. I did not know who Tommy Dorfman was before she came out as trans. <laughs> I've never watched 13 Reasons I, Why. Den, I, I don't Den, care for shows about teenagers. Deep same. Like, <laughs> deep Den, same. Den and I actually both have had her bookmarked probably somewhere in the recesses of our minds. I, I, I mean, I didn't. In my I 205th had, I truly had never heard her on Al, Al Gore's what? Internet. <laughs> okay. Al Gore's internet. Out here on Al Gore's internet in these Twitter streets. But um, in, so in the, in the, 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 coverage that Tommy got when she came out as trans, um, she said something that really resonated for me as a person who came out as trans also this summer. And I just want to read this quote because it really echoed um, everything I've been thinking and feeling and frankly some of the conversations that I've been having in my personal life with with folks in my mm-hmm, family about mm-hmm. this. Um, she said, I've been living in this other version of coming out where I don't feel safe enough to talk about it, so I just do it. But I recognize that transitioning is beautiful. Mm. And then a little further down. Scroll, baby. A little further down, she said, It's funny to think about coming out because I haven't gone anywhere. Mm. I view today as a reintroduction to me Mm -hmm. as a woman, Mm -hmm. having made a transition medically. Coming out is always viewed as this grand reveal, but I was never not out. Mm -hmm. Today is about clarity. Mm. I am a trans woman. My pronouns are she, her. My name is Tommy. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Today is about clarity. This moment is about clarity. Yeah. Um, something I said, I've said to my family a lot is I'm not a different person. I am revealing another layer of myself mm-hmm. to the world Amen. that Amen. previously I had kept to myself. Right. That's what I'm doing. Um, I hate that onion metaphor, but 
We'll put it. We'll put it in the show notes. Friend of the show and my and my good friend Darnell Moore wrote an incredible essay many years ago that reframed coming out into inviting in. Like you've Mm -hmm. always been there, and it's just like you are introducing that inside person to people in 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 the ways and at the time where you feel safe doing so. You know, and I I, that reframe fucked me up when I read it in like 2011, and I've never been the same. So thank you, Darnell. Thank you, Darnell, friend of the show. Um. She's been in the news a lot lately. Oh, I Folks don't. have thoughts. <laughs> um, oh, how you doing? Wendy no, Williams. No. Wendy Williams. I, I am not qualified to swipe either way on this, but if I, <laughs> if you put a gun to my head, <laughs> I, am. I, um, I swipe left on mm-hmm. Wendy Williams. Mm-hmm. I, it's, pro- it's a little too problematic, uh, a little too consistently for me, mm-hmm. but she does make me fucking laugh. <laughs> She <laughs> is is she in fact the comedic relief that we need in this moment? I don't know. I will say I think she got it right around Britney Spears' family, and she gets it wrong about everything. Else. Say, they can all die. <laughs> I was like, you know what? And then she, I'm not mad at that. My, my favorite part about that was how she looked at the camera because the audience yes. kind of goes gasp, and then she was like, yes. "Oh, did I say too much?" It was just like it was like a, she's it like, was like, this too much? Of it was all like, the things I've said. Literally, it was like six seconds of self awareness from. Yes. Williams. That's I was all like, you're gonna get. Gay gasp. Uh-oh. That's it. That's it. That that right there. That's like you need a snapshot of that. It's like an Olympic moment. It's it's not. It's never gonna happen again. <laughs> it's I, an I, Olympic I, moment. <laughs> she won a gold medal in self awareness for a whole fucking Bro. second and a half. Oh my god. And and that's it. <laughs> yeah. And the rest of it. Um. No. I also I also swipe left. I so I actually loved her when I in my first couple years in New York when I was first mm-hmm. um. Was she on the TV here, or went, radio then? She was on the TV, okay. and I went. I went to see the show actually on my birth date, which oh was. Oh my god, ten! <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I did. It was very colorful. Did you end up on TV? No, uh, no. I was seated way in the back. Okay, okay. Um, but it was it was sort of a fun experience, but it was a lot. There was a lot of energy. There was a lot of color. Um, and that was like all well and good. And then over the next few years, I was like, mm, you're saying some shit oh. that like I can't get down with. Oh. So um, I'm not necessarily saying we need to cancel Wendy Williams, but we can swipe left and move on. Yeah, I, I agree. There's a space. The swipe left is not a cancel. Yeah. It's just more of a like, ah. consider this an invitation mm. to retire. <laughs> How about that? Oh my God. <laughs> That's where we are. Oh. Um, Issa Rae's wedding pictures. Okay, so our show has a very strong stance against heterosexuality. Mm-hmm. We don't like it. We don't mm-hmm. care for it. I mean, given the option, thank you, no thank you. Wouldn't you choose Actually, not even, not even no thank you. Just no thank you. Just no thank GTFOH. you. GTFOH. But she really looked great. I really. Oh, skin glowing, beautiful. So it was a custom gown. By a, I think it was a custom Vera Wang. Vera Wang, that's right. I mean, it was just, and I didn't know, I, I didn't know it was coming. I mean, I guess. No, I, I, don't, I don't think know. anyone did. I think it was did. a surprise thing, right? I think it was a surprise. Was it just the wedding or were they just doing photos? I think it was the wedding. I, I think I it was the wedding. Anyway, I think it was the wedding. That's she, the understanding. She looked glowing. I, mm-hmm. I you know, Issa Rae, I she's made incredible art. Um, and I just hope she's happy. I hope she, you mm-hmm. know, has found a love that cares for her and wants her to thrive. Especially, you know, I think when you're someone who who is so in the eye and so public, it can be hard to find a partner who wants to support you and wants to build, help you grow and build up your dream. Probably, especially as a black woman, it's not mm-hmm. easy to find a man who's gonna just just support you. And I I yes. hope that she's found that and and she looks. She looks like she has. She looks she stunning. Looks so she looks good. so happy. What I'm all about right now, um, and maybe this has to do with me being 35 years old, but I'm all about seeing um, just happy, healthy black love on display mm. anywhere we can. 
And that's why I'm a little more open-minded about the whole heterosexual thing. Um, yeah, come on. Yeah, I mean, really. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But she, yeah, she just looked amazing. And I just thought, you know, and it's funny because I never really think this and I feel like I would never wear this type of wedding gown. Um, I would absolutely wear a wedding gown and it would be custom designed by Vera Wang, who once complimented my hair. But it w- I would it wouldn't necessarily be such a poofy gown. But I looked at her and I was like, she actually looks like a princess. And my yeah. heart kind of melted that she got to have the moment as she always mm-hmm. wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And there are so many of us who don't get to have that. Yeah. And so um, I just reveled in it um, for a few minutes and um, and felt great joy. In yeah. It, so. And we, we fucking need all the joy we can motherfucking we need, get. We need all the joy we can get. Mm. It's time for the meat of our discussion, the thought process, spelled how, Dan? T-H-O-T. And for the meat of our discussion this week, I think you got it, D. Yes, I do. Yes, D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-
we hope that it does the same for you now. Yeah, take it away. It's time we get into the meat of our discussion, the thought process, if you will, spelled T-H-O-T. T-H-O-T. And uh, what do we got for our thought process today? Yeah, y'all. Today we are going Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I'm really fascinated with Hollywood because it's one of those magical things in the American imagination like Joan Didion wrote about with New York, where it's both a physical place. Hollywood is a neighborhood in L.A., But it's also so, so much more than that. It's an idea. It's an aspiration. Like queerness as it's defined by Jose Munoz, Hollywood is also an idea that seems ever moving, aspirational, even to those who have already arrived, like one never quite has enough. So what is Hollywood? Is it films and TV? Is it set celebrity and fallen celebrity, wealth and whiteness, glitz and glam? Hollywood certainly denotes access. Work made in Hollywood is seen by millions of eyes, sort of by definition. But is going Hollywood synonymous with selling out? Thoughts? I want to start the discussion a little light. La La Land. Bad movie or terrible movie? Oh, my God. Joseph, I I actually loved La La Land. Okay. How dare you? And I think that the way that La La Land and Moonlight were pitted against each other was kind of insane. I didn't think that that was really, I think they were completely different films. And they were like, it it was totally unwarranted that they were, you know, put in opposition to each other, even though it was very fun to watch um, the, 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 the rise bet- between the two. Um, I actually, you know, thought it was, the movie was fine. Um, okay. uh, I loved Ryan, what's his face in it? Which Ryan? Ryan Gosling. Gosling. Yeah. Gosling. He's got a nice face. He's got a good. He does have a nice face. He's got a nice yeah, face. he does have a nice yeah. face. Interesting thoughts about about the film, and I, I mean, you know, particularly about L.A. and Hollywood and celebrity and kind of all the things, the big ideas of the movie. Mm-hmm. I felt about La La Land the way that I feel about Girls, mm. which yep. is it's certainly a version of LA. It's yeah. just not the version that I've experienced. Yeah, oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, so I can I can honor the film and the folks who love it. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that it was a musical. Yeah, yeah. And so I do think you need to. There needs to be a little bit of. Um, Ooh, what's the word I'm looking for? Pizzazz. It needs like yeah. a judge. It needs like a no, no. Campiness? Give it some slack. Oh, oh yeah. There's a, there's, there's a yeah. better word for that. Yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. Like, we just need to give a little bit of slack, right? Like yeah. I don't expect it to be this like, you know, gritty grounded yeah. film. Yeah. You know, I think going back to what Fran was saying though, for me, it, you know, Moonlight just touched me in a way that of course. Yes. I still am trying to figure out how to articulate. Yes, it. yes. seriously. Yeah. 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 Oh God. It's you, you, you mentioned that it felt like the Hollywood of La La Land is different than the one you live in. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of am wondering about like in what way is like in what like what is because you live in Hollywood in a way that like you're in the industry, right? Mm-hmm. So what like feels different about that to you than the experiment experience or the aspiration portrayed in the film? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I just think that there's this there's a soul crushing experience that Emma Stone is going through, mm-hmm. right, throughout the film that I think you spit in any direction while you're in LA and you're going to hit someone who's having that exact experience. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. The difference is that the film, and I, again, I can appreciate that the movie wants to create this aspirational version of that experience. So at the end, we see her back on the Warner Brothers lot and now she's a big star. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And I get that what the filmmaker was trying to do, I think in then having that relationship, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it, have that relationship come to an end, mm-hmm. right? So it's like yeah. we can't have her 
receive two big wins, mm-hmm. right? So she has to sacrifice something, and that's kind of screenwriting 101, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So she has to sacrifice something, i.e. the relationship, so that she could have the career that she wanted. But I think that that experience in L.A. for the for the actors, and I suppose for writers and directors as well, anyone yeah. aspiring to be in this business, it just looks... It's so much darker, mm-hmm. you know, here in L.A. The real experience. Yeah. The real experience. Yeah. You talk to folks who are, you know, like I know people who are wildly talented, writers mm-hmm. specifically, and they've left. Mm-hmm. You know, they went back home because they, they only had enough of a surplus of money to exist, you know, to, to sustain living here for X number of years. Mm-hmm. I know people mm-hmm. who have been here for over a decade and they still haven't broken in, you know. And so I think I, I'm not sure what the answer is like i i certainly don't have the mm-hmm. the you know, one note yeah, yeah yeah to say this is what you need to do to mm-hmm. be successful in this industry mm-hmm. um but there are a lot of folks who are still waiting to have that experience and i think you know that film tried to capture that moment mm-hmm. and i think for some folks it was really successful but for me there was just it was too real mm-hmm. in a way mm-hmm. that I had a hard time like buying into the experience that she's having in the movie. I'm curious about like what ha- your experience and also just like all of us in general about like making it in industries where we feel like we don't belong or or mm. where um, if there's anything you can speak to, you know, like getting into the door um, and having expectations or not or something like that. I mean, I don't want to be super didactic in this mm-hmm. moment, but mm-hmm. I, you know, I do think the other place to to critique La La Land is. You know, what are the politics of that movie? Mm -hmm. You know, and like, Mm -hmm. are we taking a step back to think about identity, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we're looking at this journey through the lens of admittedly a woman, but who's also white, Mm -hmm. you know? And that experience is very specific and very different from, you know, if if the Emma Stone character was played by, you know— a black yeah. woman or a yeah. Latino. Regina Regina King. Regina King. I have a question sort of about— like, I mean, Hollywood holds this place because, like I said in the intro, it is powerful. Mm. It ha- you, it takes a lot of money to make a film or TV show that is going to be seen by lots of people. Mm. Without that money, there is no TV show, right? Um, and, you know, th- there's a lot of power in that because TV shows are, are capital C culture and can mm. change how people live their lives. But I'm curious about um, the myth of, like, having to compromise or having to sell out or like what choices you make uh, when we're making art, all of us here make art between things that are going to reach a wide audience uh, versus things that are going to be like really, really gritty and true to our particular experience. Mm. I'm mm. When I'm making art, I'm someone who's always of the mind thinking that there is an element of what, if I want it to be successful, there's an element of what I have to do that has to be um, commercially uh, you know, viable mm-hmm. or com- commercially mm-hmm. consumed. And there has to be like a, a va-va-voom of like whatever I'm making um, that might not necessarily be exactly to my artistic dream of like what right. it could be. Um, but, uh, you know, I need that element of it in order for it to move forward. Um, and then under, and then once it moves forward, I have this kind of like Trojan horse of like w- the actual thing that I want to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. uh, this is a kind of a stupid thing, but, you know, I, I, I'm an, I'm the deputy editor at Out Magazine, and um, we had we have an audience that's you know always interested in like hot dudes who are shirtless, and like that's like the content that gets clicks and gets consumed, mm-hmm. and that was like what a lot of the you know the editorial staff was pushing out before, and so 
Um, I was like, why don't we have a back of book feature where we have an extremely hot person like in a bathtub or like on their bed, like naked and breaking down a very complicated topic about like race and identity Mm. or intersectionality or like we have um, in our next issue, which will be out by the time this comes out, but. Like in our March issue, um, we have a woman who has a prosthetic leg and she is super hot in like lingerie and she's talking about ableism in the queer community. Mm. You have, and we call it a thirst trap because you're Ooh. lured in by the hotness of a person, um, but you, which is like, you know, a gimmicky thing to do. And then I have this like kind of gotcha and I'm like, here's like 500 words on like something that you actually didn't know and you mm. need to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That. Yeah. Steven. I think that what Fran is saying is if, I don't want to keep talking about the show, but okay. it, it reminds me of of the conversations we were having in the room around Pose, mm-hmm. frankly. You know, like we knew while constructing the show that the balls and the glitz and the glamour and the color, that was going to bring the audience in. Mm-hmm. And once we've pulled you in, then we can thump you over the head mm-hmm. with the message mm-hmm. and with the education. And, you know, and so I, I, you know, the show is this really interesting juxtaposition between you know, the the grit of what it meant to be in New York mm-hmm. in the 80s, dealing with the crack epidemic, dealing with HIV mm-hmm. AIDS, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with poverty. And also, you know, that there was this community that was built mm-hmm. and this family and these, these houses and the competition, you know, mm-hmm. and the art that came out of, out of the culture. Mm-hmm. So I think that's critically important Mm -hmm. you know that that what's being created sort of is a balance of both and that's like one of my favorite things about i'm also i'm like happy to talk about pose for you if you would like (laughs) (laughs) that's one of my favorite things about the show is it strikes this really special beautiful rare balance of what is um eleganza and gowns and like a throwing shade and like all these like moments that are so have so much entertainment value mm-hmm. along with a conversation about a trans woman having sex which is like yeah. something we never see or like and it's a not, conversation about sex work in general or about drugs or about you know. and it's not torture porn I feel like so yeah. many uh, films and TV shows about marginalized people is like look at the suffering look at the suffering and I think one of the most amazing things about queer people and in particular queer people of color is that like there's so much exuberance and joy created in these communities that are mm-hmm. also families dealing with the trauma and mm-hmm. dealing with the pain so it's like to only show one side of that story is actually deeply dehumanizing dehumanizing and like I'm always like does this do more harm than good do we need another one of these like victimization marginalization stories that is you know probably made by people largely outside of the community well Mm -hmm. can I say to your point Mm -hmm. that's one of the challenges though for young creatives of color Mm -hmm. and young Mm -hmm. LGBTQ creatives and then you know let's not even get into like folks who live in the intersection of those identities Mm -hmm. but you know like how do you go out and talk about the work Mm-hmm. And pitch it in a way that, you know, our primarily cis, white, straight males mm-hmm. understand mm-hmm. and are then green lighting. Yeah. Because frankly, yeah. they're the ones that have all the power. And, mm-hmm. you know, like to go back to the experience I was having when I was pitching Pose, it was tough. You know, mm-hmm. I, like I had to do a lot of work <laughs> to give them the historical context of, you know, the show mm-hmm. to help them to understand 
Mm. where this narrative is being grounded. And so by the time you get to talking about the fun, they've already, they're glazed over. They're mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah. girl, this is not fun. This is not interesting. Mm-hmm. Right, no, right, thank right, you. Right, right, what right, else right. do you have? Right, and that's wow. one of the ways in which systemic power perpetuates mm-hmm. itself, right? When the when all of the money is just straight white dudes mm-hmm. and they, like, you have to explain the fact that you're a human to them. Mm-hmm. And by the time you've convinced them that you're a human, they're glazed and not listening anymore. Well, of course, like, we get mediocre, fucking terrible uh, reboots of Will and Grace, right? Mm-hmm. And that's all we get. Um, so I'm kind of curious, but I feel like that's changing a little bit. And I'm kind of curious about your mm-hmm. sense of what allowed Pose to be greenlit. I mean... Th- or uh, any uh, object like it. Yeah. yeah. Object like yeah. it. Because I do, I agree, you know, we have things that are, we're having a moment where, like, I'm finally seeing narratives that I really have not seen Ever yeah, in not, not yeah, yeah, not ever. in these huge mainstream, uh, you know, things like Hollywood, where it takes a lot of money. So there's a lot of risk in making a project. So I think there's an inherent conservatism mm-hmm. in that decision making. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, not to be a complete negative, Nancy. I think you know, <laughs> progress. No, no, I, yeah, yeah, that's usually my job, but you're doing great. <laughs> you know, progress is slow. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and so you know, like I will challenge the notion that we are in this place right now where we're seeing like a boom in these narratives. Mm-hmm. Like, are we though? <laughs> All right. Is it, is it a boom or is it a, a little, a little there's, spike? There's, a little little spike. Spike. there's one thing. It's one like, is more than zero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. fair. Um, so that, and that's a whole other conversation. Like, yeah, we've been yeah, here for two hours just talking about, about yeah. the ripple. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that my concern is that I don't want the, narratives that we're seeing right now that are subversive, you know, to be just a talking point, mm-hmm. you know? Because mm-hmm. I think what often happens is that, I just got British there for like, often. What, <laughs> often. what often happens is that, you know, we wind up becoming like a trend for a yeah. hot second, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so we're suddenly, you know, like a two-page article in Entertainment Weekly or in Hollywood Reporter, and then and then we keep it pushing on to the next. And yeah. so, you know, I what's critically important is that what's happening right now is sustainable. Mm-hmm. I don't exactly know the answer, mm-hmm. to be honest, to how that continues. Um, I do know that part of the reason why we're seeing more of these narratives, though, is that the studios and the networks have found a way to monetize our narrative. Exactly. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think what's what's important and what's happening right now is that as opposed to in the past, we actually have a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So on, you know, a show like Atlanta or a show like Ugh, Insecure so or, or a film like yeah. um like Crazy Rich Asian. Or Crazy yeah. Rich Asian. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you have the folks who hold those identities responsible for the writing for the producing for the directing Mm -hmm. and being in front of the camera as well and you see that with our show as well and plenty of other film and television that are doing that and i think that's what's important and i think the way that we'll continue to see this this trend in air quotes or this movement perpetuate and to continue is to have folks like a ryan murphy for example Mm -hmm. say i recognize that I have a lot of privilege and power in this industry, and it's critically important to make sure that you are at that table telling your own narrative. Exactly. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And you have to have, there have to be, and if you have someone who is like greenlighting something, they're not of that identity, they have lateral collaborators mm-hmm. that are like a part of the process and making it happen. You know, I think. Can I also say though, th- uh-huh. th- what's all, the other piece to that though is that this is at the end of the day a business. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. And yes. so let's, you know, on some real shit, let's be honest, you know, 
a show like Pose, which, you know, full disclosure, like, you know, we were a moderate hit. Like, mm-hmm. we didn't have, like, huge numbers out of the gate. You mm-hmm. know, like, if you look... And, and to be fair, like, people aren't watching TV live anymore, yeah, right? Yeah. So there is that. But at the end of the day, our numbers were okay. Mm-hmm. However... Having us be on all of these top 10 end of the year lists yep. for mm-hmm. 2018, mm-hmm. having us receive nominations at the Globes or the Critics' Choice or AFI, all of that is of importance, mm-hmm. right? So I think when mm-hmm. you look at all of the shows right now that we reference mm-hmm. as being like the big hits, what is the common denominator there? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's not just that they found an audience and that because at the end of the day, those audiences are still looked at as being niche. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Right. That's all still, right. quote unquote, niche programming. But they're getting lots of awards yeah. and the stars mm-hmm. of these shows are on covers of magazines. Mm-hmm. And all of that helps when it comes to the business side. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if everyone was ignoring it, because think about it. Think of a show like Pose. If, if we weren't talking about the show. The show is what the show is, mm-hmm. right? So the narrative's there and the meaning and, and, you know, what it'll mean for an audience and certainly the message is always going to be there. That isn't going to change, yeah. right? So what's the difference between us receiving a nomination at a Golden Globes, for example, versus not? Mm-hmm. And why is that so critically important mm-hmm. to the studios and to the networks? Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, that's... That's yeah, that's just so amazing. It's like it's it's that's an opportunity for the audience that like the larger audience to kind of get familiar and hear about it. There are so many people in my life who only ever in in my non-queer life, for example, who only ever heard of Pose because of the Golden Globes. Like as much as there was stuff that was happening, like like everyone in my life who's queer, um, as soon as Pose happened, like everyone was, even was talking about it. Watch so parties. I, yeah, like, and, yeah, like literally I would have like if if my entire life was queer, I would have thought that this was like the biggest show on television, you know. And exactly. I kind of, for a minute, I kind of, I kind of did. And then I was like, oh wait, like let's look at the world that we live in. And so it's like, it like feels kind of shitty, especially like as a sort of younger creative who's moving into that world and, and like trying to make choices and trying to move forward because it sort of feels like there's a way in which you have to figure out how to court that, even if you're not interested in it or don't want it. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, it's, it yeah, does. yeah. You just made me think of two really big thoughts, mm-hmm. two big things. One is <laughs> two big thoughts, two big thoughts. Two big thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> One being, we have to ask ourselves who is talking about the work, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, as you just said, everyone queer in your life was talking about this show. Yeah, you know, and so who in this industry's voice? has value Mm. you know Mm -hmm. because Mm. similar to you i know and i mean it's i'm in it so it's a little different but if i weren't in the bubble of pose i know that everyone in my life would have been talking about it as Mm -hmm. well Mm -hmm. which leads me to the next point which is someone said to me and this was when i was in grad school we were discussing i think it was like maybe 2012 2013 and it was when mad men was out and it was winning Uh, all those mm. you know all the emmys Mm -hmm. every year and it was you know tons of awards and i was like wow it's like this big massive hit and this friend said to me a big massive hit because you live in LA. And I was like, what does that mean? And they were like, if you go out of your bubble, you'll see that really no one outside of Los Angeles is talking about it. I was like, really? And then you look at the numbers, just the raw numbers of who's watching the show. And they're not, it, again, it wasn't a ratings bonanza. Wow. Wow. People watch fucking dumb shit like the Big Bang Theory. Oh, fucking yeah. awful trash TV. 
TV is what are the big hits, like oh the big numbers. It's, have, it's unbelievable. I've actually never seen that show. You have some bias as a scientist who <laughs> yeah, mean, has critis- criticism of TV scientists. But. No, I mean, it's, it's very true. I think that, um, but that gets to sort of this question of even with, so I think, you know, we think of popular art like Hollywood as sort of being often low art. And I don't mm-hmm. mean that in a pejorative sense, but just popular for wide consumption. But mm-hmm. even within that, there is, you know, a geographical distribution, a high and low art TV. Like what is a show attempting? Is it attempting to be, you know, sitcoms can get like 30 Rock very meta, right? Mm-hmm. Or it can just be like something that is enjoyable, consumable, and easy to watch. You guys get get ready? You ready? Uh-oh. There's an amazing David Foster Wallace essay. Oh, my God. <laughs> Every time. On on uh, this exact thing in TV and consumption and irony and art. But he, he really makes the argument that, like, you know, most – entertainment is just meant to be consumed. It's like, it's a thing that people want to be easy. Mm. And so it's always going to be hard Mm. to sell a popular show that challenges people in any way. Having trans people of color on TV in and of itself is challenging Mm -hmm. for the majority of this country. Right. So I think that, that we all grapple with that in our art. Like how, how true are we to an experience that is going to feel niche to, you know, selling lots of books or being on TV. What comes to mind listening to what you just said is, the question of whose perspective or whose point of view matters. It's mm-hmm. similar to the question of whose voice are we paying attention to, mm-hmm. right? It's the same thing. It's like, who decided what is mainstream? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and at yeah, this truly. point, what is yeah. mainstream? What does that yes. mean? Yeah, exactly. You know? Because I think, you know, I think of the ballroom community and how they have influenced music and fashion and dance oh for my, oh decades, my God. right? Oh my God. Literal decades. Like, we mm-hmm. wouldn't have... You know, Beyonce, we wouldn't mm-hmm. have Lady Gaga. We wouldn't, you know, like there's Disco, just so many like, ways. So, like all the way back to the 70s, mm-hmm. you yeah. know. And, and even before then. Even and before. so, you know, you think about how they have created, how as a culture ballroom has impacted popular culture mm-hmm. and all yeah. these things that are mainstream. And yet they are the ones who are still seen as being niche and fringe. Do we feel like maybe there's a boom that's happening behind the scenes that is facilitating even just the spike that we're that that we're seeing? So it's sort of like behind the scenes, it's like here. Mm. Um, there's all these people doing all this work to bring in the voices that we need, and it is resulting in this little spike that we're seeing. The ripple. The ripple. The ripple. The ripple. Be, okay, on, on some really real shit. Yes. Mm-hmm. I do think that outside of equality, you know, and folks really truly just innately in their heart wanting to do good. I do think that it is coming a little from a place of fear. Good. You know? And that there are a lot of folks in this industry who do not want to be seen as racist or sexist, misogynistic, you know, transphobic, homophobic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, the work that we're seeing, I think is great. You know, Mm -hmm. we're seeing this huge proliferation of queer and black and brown content. And that Mm -hmm. is wonderful. And I... You know, I benefit from that. However, you know, there is a part of me that is still, I struggle with it, to be mm-hmm. perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. I really do. I struggle with it because part of me feels like, who has the power? Yes. You know, ultimately at the end yes. of the day is the question that I'm still yeah. asking myself. Yes. You know, and my Absolutely. fear is that if we still are not in power, regardless of whether or not we have a seat at the table, mm-hmm. At any point, the rug could be pulled out from under us. And we could go right back to the way things were. Absolutely. You know, and so I think those are conversations that we still need to acknowledge and have. Mm -hmm. And just based on, like, exactly what you're saying, uh, you know, 
I really think it's so critical to thank the activists, the scholars, the critics, and the writers who have been calling shit out. It's like shit – Power doesn't seed itself without a fight, right? Yeah. And so, like, what has the fight been that is holding people in Hollywood accountable for the white supremacy, for the sexism, for the homophobia? Uh, it, and, and it has been people putting their feet to the fire and calling shit out and doing investigative journalism and writing, you know, things like the Bechdel test, right? Like, oh that gosh, started a whole test. conversation about yes. how women are portrayed in media. And without that, there would not be the change that we're seeing right now. So I think, you know, the people who are critical, who are critics and activists and and doing that work is so important to maintaining pressure on power to continue doing the right thing because they don't get i mean i think there are some people who give a fuck mm-hmm. mostly they just want to make money they don't Correct. really give right. a fuck and so it's like it's all of us it's shows like this that are continuing to have this conversation push it so that if they try to go backwards we're like bitch no like this is you're not going back we're not going backwards right. and i think fundamentally all of our goal is to take an axe to the motherfucking table to like not have a conversation <laughs> mm-hmm. about a seat at the table anymore, but like imagine a system completely otherwise where the, the sort of financing the money, the way that we make big cultural products doesn't rely on like 16 rich white dudes mm-hmm. to imagine something completely better and different. But while the table still exists, you know, I think we have to be strategic about yeah. how we apply pressure because yes. things like post saves like literally saves lives. Right. Yeah. Uh, Frame. And it also creates a new standard. It's like yes. it's kind of a new notch in, in what people think is possible. Yep. And and you know the way that y'all you know cast it the a record number of like queer and trans people in the mm-hmm. show. Like that is now the new standard, and casting agents can't be like, "Well, we can't find any trans people." You know, that's yeah. like bonkers. Although they still say that, I know exactly. <laughs> and and it's kind of like when I I think I've said this before. It's kind of like when like Rihanna came out with Fenty, and she was like, "Well, now I got forty nine shades." Like, yeah. and then mm-hmm. all, all the makeup people who existed previous were like, "Well, we got thirty two. And it's like, "Well, that's not the well. This is the new standard now. Like, yeah, we yeah. were able to yeah. do this, and like you can actually this by showing that it's possible, and like by being the absolute fucking best in your category, which sucks that we have to do that in order mm-hmm. to you know prove a point yeah. um that that helps get things greenlit or whatever and again like when things like crazy rich asians are made or with things like black panther mm-hmm. are made um and previously a lot of you know the greenlighters think that oh yeah no actually like they those things had never made money and now all of a sudden it's making money mm-hmm. yeah. you know it sucks that, that it has to work that way but yeah when you when you're the fucking best and you prove that it works they're like oh imagine that and now more projects mm-hmm. are going to get green light like, green yeah. light yeah. like that it's a, the, in biology we call that a ratchet <laughs> ironically Ooh. enough because oh. because a ratchet works by like clicking forward and then you can't go back Mm. So oh. it, it maintains motion only in one direction through sort of a. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's love like. Love science. Love a yeah. science. Uh, a little, a little well, bit more. Kind of that. Taking up my, I'm the scientist on the show. So like, <laughs> I'm um, taking up some important you know, space gonna, that gonna, I was like, gonna, you're really taking up space here. I'm going to grow a mustache just to piss you off. Oh my God. <laughs> Don't you dare. Yeah. I no, no, love no, no, that. So what you're saying in Hollywood is that we need ratchets. Yes. Hollywood needs to get way more ratchet. I love I'm feeling full, but like I could fit one more thing inside me. Den knows what I'm talking always, about. Always, always, always. <laughs> and I'm gonna give you all a delicious dessert tonight. Uh, I guess my 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 het side is showing. My Ooh. my dessert Ooh. tonight is het dad shit. 
Oh, so, but actually, this is your signature, and we love it about you. So there's this story about a food for thought <laughs> trip where I was driving a car. Because Ho always drives the car. And in Jersey, we stop for gas. And in Jersey, the people have to pump gas for you. Mm-hmm. And as we were pulling out, I had the window rolled down, and I wanted to thank the person who um, – who pumped our gas and I was like thanks boss as I pulled away <laughs> and the people in the car fucking lost it and Alex was like that was such a pure head dad moment <laughs> just like you are a, a heterosexual father of four driving a minivan uh, and you know I think the thing is that toxic masculinity makes us not be able to enjoy anything you know you can't enjoy the femme things because you get bullied for them and you can't enjoy the mask things because they're toxic and so for me part of coming into my late 30s has been figuring out Ways in which I can make like het dad shit like work for me. <laughs> I am grilling like every other day. I'm out oh, on the God. grill and I, my grill is seasoned to the motherfucking nines. I put the little oil thing and I, I a little grill brush. I get it nice and hot and I go. Yes. And it like it fires up and it leaves. I'm obsessed with grill marks on all my meats. I cook it for half the time oh, per side and then I rotate it 45 <laughs> degrees so you get that cross hatch. You know, that's impressive. Uh, I would never. I, I'm like taking care of plants on my balcony. I'm like <laughs> fixing things around the house. You know, I'm like, oh, I got to get this. I got to get this like uh, shelf up. And then I like get the stud finder out. You know, I get the I drank uh, the drywall anchors. I go to the hardware store for fun. Oh I'm my like, let me just, God. Let me just wander around the hardware store and buy a few dowels because you got to have dowels in the house, Den. I don't know what a dowel is. It's, it's, a, it's a piece of wood of different diameters that you can use to like tie things up or it's just kind of like a handy thing to have. You know, I got to have a got to have a hacksaw <laughs> around the house, D. You, you are. Get, I don't know, you know what that is. And so I, I've been, you know, get, getting my toolkit all together. I have different. Mm-hmm. I have I have, a you know, the metric drill bits and the and the, um, the inches drill bits. You know, I got I, it's it's you but measuring it just, shit. It helps. I don't know. It's just there's something about, oh, ooh, and when I grill, I'm always having a beer. Even if I'm just going to have have one beer that night, I'm not drinking that night. But if I'm outside grilling, I must have one beer. Now tell me this. Is the beer in a glass or is it in the bottle? No, it's in the bottle or the can, D. Oh, my I'm God. I'm just out there living my best het that dad life. That is so het dad. It's so funny. Oh, you come just, home. You have a hard day. You unbutton your top button. Yeah. Bitch, I, I put on it. So it's still, I do it in my faggy femme way. I'm in like <laughs> Daisy Dukes in a tank top. You know what I mean? Like well, I'm not. Brooklyn. I, you know, Brooklyn. exactly. Brooklyn. That's you know, for Brooklyn, TBH. It, it, that is actually. Very fucking true. You know, I sometimes just get a zip card just to go on a little drive. You know, sometimes you gotta oh, get out the God. house. You gotta get away from the the din of the of the wife and kids. Blah blah blah. <laughs> get some quiet to yourself. And Devin I just, and Max. I exactly. Exactly. I just gotta. <laughs> I gotta go on a drive, y'all. I gotta get away. You know. And I will just never forget that same. I think it was that same. Actually, maybe it was a different trip. But one of our food for thought trips, Joe. I was driving us back. I hit an ice ball oh, God. See, exactly on the highway. Yes. Um, the D tire so, exploded. He was so excited to be like, I'm a, I'm a good driver. I can drive us back from Philly. And like, literally, it was it was snow everywhere. Literally within five minutes of leaving Philly, D drives into a giant hunk of ice and nails one of the tires flat in a zip car. Yep. And so I'm, I, I yep. tell her how to drive off the highway. It is freezing out. I get out. I change the tire. I put on, the, you know, 
because the we called the zip car and they're like, we'll have someone there in four hours. I was and like, we were like, no, no, I'm fucking doing this. I get the car up on the jack, change the tire, drive home at 45 because that's the max you can do on a spare. I just I love got us back to New York. I love head dad shit, and it's you know doing it in a way that's not toxic. I hope you know doing it, do it, in, yeah. a, do it in a way that yeah. feels good. It helps my anxiety. It allows me to sort of. I grew up in the country, and so all of these things about my. But my past life, that in that time when I was living in the country, were so toxic. Mm-hmm. Now I can kind of bring them back into a life that feels kind of in my in my life that feels like I own I own those things, you yeah. know, and I don't have to yeah. be toxic. You to, don't to like having dowels. You got to have some dowels. Though, you don't dude. have to, you don't have to put other people down for not being able to do that. You don't have to have That's... dowels. I have survived thirty five <laughs> years without dowels. I am a preferred customer on TaskRabbit. Oh my god, I can't. Um, the shame. Great. I have ordered TaskRabbit. Sometimes things are beyond my pay grade. Mm-hmm. But I have the immense shame of not being able to do stuff around the house, which is toxic, and I'm working on it. But in general, get you some dowels, get you a little toolkit, you know. I hurt myself. Oh. I do. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's it's just better for everyone if I get someone else to do it. Joe, I'm going to have you come put some shelves up. I have some shelves that need to go up. So I'm 45, 50 an hour. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Honestly, not. that's better than task rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's my dessert for y'all. You it's know, hopefully untoxic masculinity. Get you some dowels and maybe yeah. a hammer and a nail. And... <laughs> a hammer and a nail. You got to have a bunch of different nails and screws. That's what I like picking out at the hardware store. All the different nails and screws and drywall anchors and everything I just might need when something happens in the house. Well, listen, I love a tool and a screw. So oh, well, I have a... This episode of Food for Thought is made possible by the generous and always unequivocal support of Rosé and our new home here at Stitcher. Our producer is the filling to our raviolo, Alex Di Palmo. <laughs> uh, subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or Tommy and Fran will never come back to the show. So you need to do it. You need to do it. It can't just be the two of us. It really can't. No, we really would not get anything done. I I, I can't survive the noxious fumes. I am Joseph Osmondson. You can find me at www.josephosmondson.com. And I'm Den Michelle. And you can find me at the Den Michelle on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Tommy is Hey Teebs. Fran is Fran Squishco. Find them as well. Don't forget about them. Watch Tommy's fucking TV show, uh, Reservation Dogs on FX. Find us on Instagram as Gay Sluts Who Read and join us on Facebook and Twitter at Food for Thought Pod. And finally, send us your questions, thoughts, concerns, and dick pics. And send them to thoughts at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. As always, that's food, the number four, and thought spelled how? T-H-O-T. We'll all be back next week. We promise. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.